Dusty, and this is Let's Celebrate, a Holiday Origins podcast. So, over the past several years, I've become interested in holidays, been interested in why and how they're celebrated and the history behind them. I grew up Christian, Southern Baptist, um, so I grew up with like a religious Christian view of holidays. A few years ago, I decided to start learning more about my Swedish and Nordic heritage. So I started learning about what some might refer to as a pagan or heathen connection to the holidays that I had grown up celebrating as Christian holidays. Learning more about why we celebrate and sometimes how we celebrate has helped me to connect to nature and to the earth. So when you really start looking at the main holidays, you can start to see that they tell a story of the passage of time, the changes of seasons, and the cycle of life. What I've come to realize is that holidays have helped our ancestors throughout time to understand that the earth dies and is reborn, that we live in a cycle and it's important to celebrate the changes and to pass on these traditions to generations to come. It's like a sort of collective coping mechanism. Since I began paying more attention to holidays, each season I have had a new insight that opens my mind a little bit more. Like that spring and Easter are a time of rebirth when all the plants are coming back to life and wild babies are being born. And that's why that time of year is celebrated as the resurrection of Jesus because all of earth is resurrecting. Pre-Christians were celebrating Eostra. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's spelled E-O-S-T-R-E. And that was a pagan spring festival that included bunnies and eggs hundreds of years ago. Or that Halloween is a scary time of year because the days are shorter and when our ancestors lived during a time without electricity, it makes sense that they would sit around a bonfire to keep warm and tell ghost stories. I'm very excited to finally start this venture of doing a deeper dive into holidays and sharing what I find. and. Hopefully sharing it with people like you who are just as excited as I am to learn something new about something old. I'm not sure how often I will be doing episodes. It might end up being dependent on what holidays are happening during a given month. Each episode, I plan to discuss a specific holiday, the history behind it, the why and the how it has been celebrated in the past, and then how it's evolved to what we know today and how we celebrate now. I will also sometimes give alternative ways that we can celebrate in order to connect more to nature and to spirit if you're into that kind of thing. Each episode, I will also be sharing a cell libation, which will be some kind of beverage cocktail libation that I think is fitting for the holiday that we are celebrating. So without further ado, I'm going to start my first episode with New Year's. Let's celebrate New Year's Eve. The celibation for this New Year's episode is a French 75. To make a French 75, you need one ounce gin, a half ounce of Meyer lemon simple syrup. So that is just lemon juice mixed with a simple syrup or you just boil some sugar with water and lemon juice. 
and then two ounces or your preferred amount of champagne. And you can also add a twist of lemon to make it a little bit fancy. So this is one of my favorite cocktails made with champagne because it tastes so festive and it just elevates a plain glass of champagne. You can also just drink a glass of champagne with a lemon twist if you don't have the gin or the simple syrup, but you still want a fancy looking cocktail. For those who don't want alcohol, a mocktail version could be a sparkling grape juice or sparkling water with the Meyer lemon simple syrup and a lemon twist in a champagne flute, which is sure to put you in a celebratory mood even if you can't drink alcohol or prefer not to. All right, now that we are nice and cozy with our fancy glass of French 75 champagne or sparkling grape juice with a lemon twist, let's settle in and learn about the history behind New Year's. So, the first record of New Year's was started around 2000 BC in Mesopotamia. And this New Year's was actually celebrated towards the end of March at the time of the vernal equinox. So I've always wondered why we don't celebrate the New Year around the spring because the spring is when everything's being reborn and it really feels like it's the year starting anew. But I suppose that now we're in, with our calendar, it makes sense that we have January 1st is the beginning of the year. So Julius Caesar was actually the one that created the solar-based Julian calendar in 46 BC, which marked January 1st as the beginning of the year. And January was named after Janus, I think that's how you pronounce it, spelt J-A-N-U-S. And Janus was the Roman god of beginnings, thresholds, or doorways. And this god was depicted with two faces, one looking backwards and one looking forwards. And this was symbolic of the new year where we stand in a theoretical threshold or doorway, looking back at the past year while simultaneously looking forward to the new year ahead. So some themes that have been celebrated in the past for the new year are luck, resolutions, welcoming in the new, releasing the past. So some of the ways that people celebrated these themes were reflecting on the past and hoping for a brighter future, eating good luck foods, sharing a midnight kiss, wearing special clothes, and making resolutions, and fireworks, or some kind of fire. So let's do a little deeper dive into these things. So some foods that are eaten to celebrate New Year's are round foods like black-eyed peas, legumes, lentils, grapes, and round cakes. So in Roman times up until today in many cultures, 
the legumes, lentils, black-eyed peas are said to look like coins. And so people eat them for prosperity or for good luck. And then in cultures like Spain, Mexico, and the Philippines, they eat 12 grapes for each month of the year. Some, I know in Mexico, or I've known people from Mexico who will put 12 grapes in their champagne, and then they will drink their champagne at the new year, and then eat each of their grapes. So it's like a good luck for each month of the year that's coming. Other cultures eat the round cakes, and this is representative of the circle of life. It's also round for money and prosperity for the future. In Japan, they eat soba noodles to symbolize the journey from one year to the next. And in other Asian cultures, they eat long noodles and they are said to give a longer and healthy life. So they try to eat them without breaking them in half. There's also other foods like pork that other cultures eat that symbolize good luck and prosperity. The next thing is champagne. So you might want to take a little sip of your French 75 or beverage of choice. Champagne originated as a um, symbol of the blood of Christ. So Christians do the Eucharist tradition where they take the blood of Christ. So in other cultures, they would just drink wine, but then when champagne become a celebratory um, beverage, then they started drinking champagne for the Eucharist. Ancient people also would toast to health and honor. So this is champagne or drinking for the new year. It's a tradition that's been going on for, for years, hundreds of years. Some clothing traditions for the New Year's are that in the Philippines, they wear polka dots to symbolize prosperity and to increase luck in the New Year. In Brazil, people, people wear white to symbolize peace and good luck for the New Year. And in some Latin American countries, they have a superstition that the color of their underwear can manifest success and prosperity. So colors like red symbolize luck and love and relationships, and yellow can bring luck, money, and happiness. There's a tradition of the midnight kiss, which when I looked this up, I found that this originated with Saturnalia. And next year, when I do Christmas era, I'm planning on doing an episode about Saturnalia. This is a Roman pagan festival that started in mid-December and said to be the origin of the midnight kiss. So this festival was held around the winter solstice. It was a time of revelry and rest with lots of celebration, dancing, drinking, and kissing. Also in the German and English folklore, there's a tradition of the New Year's kiss, which is said to help bring good luck and that the person who you kiss will contribute to the fate of your new year. So you want to choose the person that you kiss um, well, <laughs> so that 
they um, contribute well to your fate. There are also some traditions of throwing out the old or getting rid of negative energy. So some ways that people do that are in the Philippines, they keep their doors and windows open to get rid of the negative energy from the previous year and attract good energy for the upcoming year. In Latin America, they throw water out of the window, and this is said to ward off evil spirits and symbolize renewal. Also in many traditions, there are resolutions that people make. So nowadays, a lot of people resolute to losing weight or being a better person, doing more exercise, something like that, that's kind of like a bettering of self. But this tradition actually started with the Babylonians who made promises to the gods for luck in the coming year. Romans would also offer sacrifices to Janus and make promises to show good deeds and hopes for a better new year. In many cultures, there's some form of fire or fireworks tradition that's used to celebrate the new year. Fireworks are meant to scare off evil spirits, and they originated in China in the 7th century AD. Fireworks are also said to bring prosperity and good luck, and the different colors and designs can correspond to luck in fertility, love, health, etc. I didn't know about that until I did this research, so that's pretty interesting. Also, in Scotland, they have an ancient custom of Scottish hogmanay, which are pagan parties from hundreds of years ago. This traditional New Year's ceremony involved people dressing in cattle hides and running around the village hitting, being hit by sticks. They also lit bonfires, rolled blazing tar barrels, barrels down the hill, and tossed torches. And then they wrapped animal hides around sticks, igniting them, which produced a smoke that they believed to be effective to ward off evil spirits. And that smoking stick was called a hogmanay. In Stonehaven, Scotland, they also light giant 20-pound fireballs and swing them around a five-foot metal pole, requiring 60 men to carry them as they march up and down the high street. And this is a pre-Christian custom believed to be linked to the winter solstice and the fireballs signify the power of the sun to purify the world by consuming evil spirits. Many people continue to celebrate these traditions for the new year, the transition from the old to the new. And in that Many people eat special foods and wear special clothing to bring prosperity and luck for the upcoming year. We still light things on fire even though we might not be conscious about warding off the evil spirits. And many people continue to make a celebratory champagne toast, as we've discussed, at midnight, followed by a kiss with someone they love or are hoping to have a connection with in the new year. We might not be making sacrifices like the ancient people did, but many of the themes they acknowledge continue to be celebrated today. So this year, I have decided to incorporate a Swedish tradition that I've just recently learned about. 
So I'm going to incorporate an arse gong or a year walk into my New Year's celebration this year. This is an ancient Swedish divination practice that I learned about last year. Traditionally, the ancient people would walk through the forest to a church and then walk three times counterclockwise around the church. No talking, laughing, or making any sounds aloud, and they must pay attention to the sounds they hear and signs along the walk that could be a message for the upcoming year. If they made any sounds, they were said to be punished in some way. The walk would usually take place on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve alone at midnight when they believed that the veil was thinner between the dead and living so they could encounter supernatural beings that could help or hinder their future in the upcoming year. I'm going to be going out of town with my mom this weekend for the new year, and we've decided to incorporate this tradition into our New Year's Eve celebrations. Uh, we've decided that it's a healthier, non-eating, non-drinking tradition that we think will help us to plan for the new year. Since we aren't ancients living in a secluded, scary village, we want to make this practice into a new, more modern version. We plan on taking a late evening walk to a church near our Airbnb while paying attention to the messages we might encounter. Um, we're going to walk around the church three times, and then we will journal about our experiences. We're also planning on not talking to one another, so we'll see how that goes. It's the first time that we're doing something like that, so it should be interesting. And it's supposed to not be too cold that night, so... I don't know. We'll see. And maybe we'll encounter some supernatural beings. My mom would hate that. So, when we break this holiday down to its main themes, we see that this is a time to let go, release the old, scare away the evil spirits with fire and loud sounds, to make room and open up to hope and, and the possibility of the new year. A time to believe in positive outcomes, good luck, and prosperity. I invite you to also look at how your ancestors celebrated and how your own family currently celebrates. Maybe you can adopt a new custom or maybe bring a new light to something you have always done but never knew why. I hope that you have a wonderful new year. I hope that it's full of blessings, good luck, and prosperity. I will be back in February to discuss Valentine's Day and how the death of possibly several Christian martyrs named St. Valentine has turned into the love-filled, chocolate-eating, red-and-pink-heart holiday we now celebrate on February 14th. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe, maybe even leave a review. If you would like to share how you celebrate New Year's, feel free to send me an email to letscelebratepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and joining me on this adventure. Have fun celebrating, and I hope you've learned something new today.